Hey everyone, it's Matt. And I'm Kyle. And we're the Casual Tutors. Today, we're recording just before the pre-release for Phyrexia All Will Be One. I know Kyle and I are super stoked. Card-wise, set looks explosive, to say the least. Pack full of commons, uncommons that just seem great. And then, I don't even need to explain the chase rares and mythics to you all. It's been kind of spread far and wide. But today, we're going to talk about the lore going into Phyrexia All Will Be One. Uh, doing a brief synopsis of it, kind of giving you all uh, a 411 on what's happening and how we got to where we are in the story. And with that, just a heads up, spoilers ahead. If you plan on reading and you haven't read yet. Yeah, so like Kyle said, if you haven't listened or read the main storyline, just give us a pause. Go get those things read. They're kind of long, but then come back, give us a listen and, you know, Definitely kind of lead us right into some of the housekeeping we're going to talk about. Jump in our Discord. Hit us up on our socials. We're at Casual Tutors pretty much everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, even on TikTok and YouTube now. And then our Discord link is in our link tree, which you can find down in the bio. Just want to give a quick shout out to our YouTube. We are kind of picking up the pace. We've been releasing daily Pack Addicts episode is what we're calling it. They're just... Cracking packs. Uh, right now, we're working with Ultimate Masters. We're our just released pack nine, working our way slowly through that. And we definitely plan on doing other sets as well as publishing the podcast itself on YouTube. So, without further ado, we're going to jump right into the lore. Starting out, Magic released two stories day one covering Ixel, who is. Is she a Praetor? She's not a Praetor. No. She's just an angel created by Atraxa. Yeah, the daughter of Atraxa. Essentially. One of many, supposedly, according to the story. And we also saw another one for Mirans that were still surviving and rebelling in one of the, the layers of New Phyrexia. So we'll start out talking about Ixel. She's that's interesting. A, I actually think that's a side story, too. Are they? Yeah, so Ixel isn't mentioned at all in the main story. Oh. That's probably why you thought they were so long. Yeah. I'm going to talk about Ixel anyways. <laughs> right, talk about Ixel. Atrax cool. is in the main story. Yeah, of course she is. Mm -hmm. Anyways, you know, we kind of get brought right into the universe seeing Ixel being sent out by Atraxa to quote-unquote rein in Geth. And it, it's really funny starting out. They describe in detail how the Phyrexians and Atraxa and Ixel are super disgusted with Geth because he retained his zombie head and is refusing to be fully completed, and they think it's disgusting he has a flesh head. Anyways, we see Ixel travel to Geth's lair. Uh, she meets some quirky characters along the way, ends up getting into a huge fight with Geth, and Geth comes across as a total badass, like just flexing on Ixel, barely trying in the fight and forcing her to really give like more than she realized she was going to have to give in the fight. The entire time Geth is planting these little, you know, seeds in Ixel's brain talking about him being the, the contractor for Phyrexia, you know, things don't get done without him, so on and so forth. And kind of, you know, bad mouthing the other Praetors. In the end, Ixel is obviously a victor. We have a commander card for her, so, you know, she kind of has that plot armor right there. But 
we see these seeds start growing and growing in her mind. And she ends up taking Geth's body and fully, I guess, recompleting him and creating this new Phyrexian child of hers. And super proud. You know, she thinks Atraxa is going to love it. She's taking the initiative. Exact opposite. Atraxa hates it. Thinks it's disgusting. Tells her to get rid of him immediately. And, you know, these seeds that were, you know, kind of sprouted are now really starting to take root and turn to seedings. Because XL, XL thought she was doing the right thing by fully completing Geth and creating this new minion, the Sir Phyrexia. But in reality, the Phyrexians don't really care. They're all soldiers. They're all one. This dude means nothing to them. And the fact that they want to discard him so easily kind of fucks with her brain. She's like, well, if they get rid of him so easily, I thought he was such a big deal. What am I? And that's kind of where we end that story. Just these questioning theories in Excel's mind, which is interesting because we don't really get that glimpse into Phyrexians in general. It's, it's kind of strange because there's a couple of pieces of lore that if you know it kind of helps explain that story, but also makes it way more confusing. So the way the Dross Pits works, right? That's where Geth's lair is located. That's where Shieldred's domain is located. The Dross Pits are constantly under strife. The lieutenants of the Dross Pits, Geth being one, Shieldred being another, there's a, a, a handful of them. They are constantly at war. They are constantly fighting for, for power, vying for power. They all still do report to Elish Norn as the head praetor, but they all constantly fight. So there's constantly a, a, a never-ending war in the Dross Pits, basically. Yeah. Giant power struggle. Giant power struggle. Um, so it makes sense with, you know, Geth planting the seeds and and not agreeing and them also being like, against Geth, you know, being like, he's disgusting because there's always this power struggle, right? And if you, I, a lot of them may think, you know, cut off the head of the snake, right? You, I just got rid of one of the competitions. The other weird thing, though, is how glistening oil works. So the Phyrexians at their core are all infected with glistening oil. This is something I didn't know. They're every single one of them. So the Praetors are infected. Atraxa is infected. You cannot be Phyrexian without being infected by glistening oil. You can be further completed, right? Because glistening oil doesn't necessarily complete you fully. You still have fleshy bits. You don't look entirely mechanical. So they do fully complete things. Make you more machine. Make you more machine. But the glistening oil is is parasitic in nature. And it also forces anyone infected with it to have a singularized mission of spreading glistening oil. And I suppose it still can do that while making them also fight each other and have like comprehension, but it just seems so weird that all of these beings have this strange parasitic singular mind, singular focus thing, but then also have all these thoughts. And I guess Part of it is how interesting can you make a story if you make these all hive mind. hive mind drones, you know? But I just think that's an interesting thing that I learned recently about the Phyrexian infection that kind of helps explain why the Phyrexians do what they do. It also is a neat, a neat fact that glistening oil holds memories. So 
the glistening oil, all the glistening oil in existence is connected and it holds memories. So it passes on everything that it's seen basically to new hosts. So the Praetors built the nine levels of Mirrodin in the image of original Phyrexia, which none of them have ever seen. Just their idealized vision of it. Part of it's from their scriptures. Part so so it's actually canon lore that they've built it from memory because of the glistening oil. Okay, so they're definitely they do have their own scriptures. Obviously, Elishnorn's a leader of essentially a church, so there is part of that there that she's inherited from original Phyrexia. But it does make sense that this oil is instilling these, you know, not false memories, but out of body memories into them. Right, right. It, yeah, it's it, it's almost like, I guess, uh, genetic knowledge, something like that. But it's just a, a really, a couple interesting facts about glistening oil and the Phyrexian infection before we really get into the story of All Will Be One. Yeah, and that's actually the perfect transli- transition to start talking about the second short story. And I didn't actually read this whole thing. I kind of just cliff notes it. But we see these Mirren survivors slash rebels working their way through whatever the red layer is called. The, the furnace. The furnace, okay. And or the great furnace, something like something that. like that. But they end up encountering a completed Phyrexian kind of haphazardly. One of their scouts or the, the person they have, you know, protecting their rear end goes missing. So the leader of this, and I'm really butchering by not remembering her name because she's a main character. I think she's also a commander card. Malira? Sure. No, it isn't. It's whoever that Boros commander is. Uh, I don't know. Malira is the Sliding main Mirren. Outcast, yeah. She she's the main Mirren in the story. Okay, it's not her. Anyways, she tails back to find this missing friend of hers and finds her in this humanoid shaped crack in the wall of the forge. And standing there, they find that Phyrexian facing down the scout. You know, preparing to fight that kind of thing. And her friend, the scout, is just stuck. Like something, you know, kind of has her confused, has her frustrated. She's not preparing to fight back. So she jumps in the action, kicks this Phyrexian off the edge of the forge down into the pit. And, you know, she's kind of like, hey, you know, what's wrong? What happened? Did she get you? Are you scratched? Are you hurt? She's like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm all right. I'm all right. And she was, that that Phyrexian was my mom. And what's worse about it is that her mom remembered her and told her that things were better as being a Phyrexian to come and join them. And that, you know, kind of talks to where obviously the glistening oil is working there trying to spread, but that instilled familial knowledge of the mother-daughter bond is apparent and still present in the Phyrexian. This is mentioned throughout the main story as well. And some of our main characters use this. The, the completed still have all of their memories and still, still have like recognition, still have, I, I mean, there's there's a whole scene between Vraska and Jace, and that's a common theme to the the this is peace. This is I mean, there's a point where Elish Norn even says, "I'm trying to show you a better world." Yeah, but where this ends up leading ultimately is kind of a glimpse into Urabrask's way of conquering and completing. You know. Obviously the Forge, because that's kind of his realm, but obviously he's the Phyrexian Praetor. He has greater ambitions. But he is fully in the camp of trying to catch flies with honey. And 
using strategies like having family members go and find their kin, bringing them to be completed, showing them that, you know, what they miss is still here. It's just slightly different. Come join us. And, you know, obviously it's super effective. This scout ends up leaving the group to go voluntarily be completed just because the memories of her mother and seeing that her mother was still actually there. So definitely a different philosophy on how to achieve their all will be one goal, but a sweet insight into Urabrask and probably why he is so counter to every other Phyrexian Praetor. Anyways, that's kind of my limited knowledge on the lore going into it. I'm a slacker and I didn't read any of it. I left that all up to Kyle. So I'm going to pass it over to him and just insert myself every once in a while. I'm also real quick. uh, This is going to make it easier to kind of explain what's going on in certain parts that we talk about, but I'm going to go over the layers of new Phyrexia real quick. So the nine layers of new Phyrexia, the great facade or the monumental facade is the outermost layer which was built around the original surface of Meriden. So the, the, the Praetors had it built around and they've covered it in uh, like uh, twisted statues, monuments, things to show like, uh, this is our plane. We've taken this plane, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And then you have the Mirex, which is the original surface of Meriden. There is still some glimmer void, which is used to make hex gold, on this surface, but it is almost nearly entirely wiped out. It's it's basically what they use to create the other layers. So it's it's almost completely devoid. This is where most of the surviving Mirrodins still live. And then below that is the furnace layer, which is Urabrask's layer. And they the Mirrins refer to it as the quiet furnace because Urabrask does kind of turn a blind eye also like you said kind of uses honey rather than forced completion and so uh, a good bit of the mirrodin resistance resides in the furnace layer and then you have the hunter maze which is vorinclex's layer which is weirdly enough a giant mechanical forest (laughs) With It looks like trees and everything, but they're obviously all mechanical in nature. And then you have the surgical bays, which is Jingataxis's, uh layer, which is literally islands floating in a sea of quicksilver and glistening oil. Sounds tropical. Yes. In the story, as we talk about it, we don't actually see the hunter maze or the surgical bays whatsoever. Then there's the dross pits, which are is... Shieldred's lair, but is also vying for power with all the other ones, like we said. And then there's the Fair Basilica, which is Elish Norn's lair, which is not only covered in like the churches and it's like this beautiful white porcelain and crimson red color scheme throughout the entire lair. Shieldred or Elish Norn also takes trophies that she deems worthy of being in her lair and completes them and then makes it so that they're unable to move. So she puts together living statues. And then there's the Mycosynth Gardens, which grows underneath the Fair Basilica, which was the original core of Argentum, Mirrodin, whatever you want to call it. The Mycosynth Gardens is kind of one of the real big reasons why this even exists 
because mica synth is a disease that turns people. It's a lot of mirrodins when you see them in cards, even though they say human. You can see that they're covered in bits of rock or metal. It, it's metal. It looks like rock in some of them, but it's metal. It's the mycosynth. It's, it's like a fungal infection that starts a phyrexine infection almost. It looks like it does, but it's not quite as twisted as glistening oil. So kind of what Koth has going on with his head. Right, and his shoulder blades. It's, it's, they didn't explicitly, when I was doing my research, say that that's why Koth looks like that, but they said that this mycosynth on the plane causes people to, like, have metal they'd be born with like metal plates on their body and stuff like that uh and then the seed core which is basically was just created as the incubation chamber for realm breaker the phyrexian world tree uh so those are the planes so as we talk about it that way we don't have to get back into explaining what we're talking about which plane we're talking about uh it'll be a little more understandable so with that mr matthew i do have one thing quickly to say about the planes Okay. Or the layers. Uh-huh. And that's when Mirrodin fell, New Phyrexian rose. They started creating and establishing these layers. And obviously with that comes the glistening oil. And we saw kind of in the Exhale story where she briefly talks about how the the real geography of these layers was absorbing the oil and it was creating these quote-unquote structures or, you know, alternate beings that were unique to these layers. And I think we see that in the card cycle of the Dominus or the Domini, where they're, and I'm I, failing to find what the actual old card is, but essentially it was the original Phyrexian god back on old Phyrexia. Obviously, no longer exists, but each individual layer creating their own vision or their own part of that old god again. And you see it in the Dominus's art all five of them where they're all just kind of bits and pieces of this original art. And when I do find it, I will make sure it's included down in, you know, either on our Facebook page, Twitter, or in the description, but it's kind of cool to see glistening oil having an effect on the plane itself. Remember too, that the glistening oil does have that like genetic knowledge. So even things that no living Phyrexian has seen personally, they still know of and have seen in a way so i kind of want to talk about right out the gate because we're not we're not really going to go through a full storyboard here we we lose at the end of this right or we the the good guys lose at the end of this all perspective sure the the i should okay i'll say it this way the gate watch loses at the end of this so basically we find out one we find out that Tybalt has also been completed. We find out that Tyvar has like a blood score to settle with Tybalt, which honestly doesn't last very long. We find out that Tybalt is the perfect counter to Elspeth somehow because of his ability to suck hope out of people, which I don't know if that's ever been mentioned before. But basically, so there's a fight between a, a Johnny Tybalt and Tyvar Elspeth. While that's happening, Jace... Kaido and Kaya are going to the base of the of Realmbreaker to set off the Silex to destroy to try to destroy it. Now here's here's where things kind of get into perspective. They could have won, in theory. They're at the base of the tree. At what cost? They have the Silex. Nobody's there to stop them, but the Omen Paths are already open, so it's connected to the planes. 
there's a very good chance that if they would have set this off, it would have destroyed Mirrodin and every plane that it was connected to. And so basically Jace is like, we have to do it. We don't have a choice. It's the only way to stop them. Kaya, in turn, Kaya and Kaido stall him long enough for Tyvar to kill Tybalt, it seems, and Elspeth to knock out a Johnny. Meanwhile, Karn is in shambles, literally. Karn's in shambles. He's he's stuck in the Mycosynth Gardens. He basically kind of points them in the right direction, but that's a little about it. Basically, what happens is Elspeth shows up after this fight. Elspeth and Tyvar come down into the seed core, and they basically, at this point, right at, right as they show up, Jace goes, says the magic word, whatever that is, <laughs> to set off the Silex. Shazam. Elspeth stabs him through the back, through the chest, grabs the Silex, and falls off of this bridge into the darkness. And that's... Now, here's my thing. A lot of people are talking about Elspeth being dead. I just thought of something. If this thing is so powerful that it was going to blow up this tree, possibly destroy the plane, possibly destroy every plane it was attached to, I guess, I guess they're implying that she, like, consumed the power? And it, like, destroyed her. I just don't understand how her just grabbing it and dropping off this thing made it less of this crazy force. Well, so from my understanding of it, again, not reading the lore, but supposedly she planes walks into the Great Eternities where it detonates. It, like, I mean, it never... Harmlessly. But they don't, they don't say that on screen. That's everyone's assumption, I'm assuming. Yeah, it never says that. Yeah. So... And, the other weird thing is the card the, the card that depicts this happening shows her on her knees, like, evaporating. Right, but it's black in the background, kind of. It's She's not on her knees. She falls off a bridge. Yeah, weird. Yeah. I, that could just, you know, be related to the, the failing of lore versus cards because sure. it seems to be a common trend. But, but basically, so that happens. And then Nissa... So Jay stands back up. You hear like Elish Norn like doing the like the slow clap as she walks in. Basically, Jay stands back up. Nissa walks out from the shadows, and Nahiri walks out from the shadows. This is the first time in the main story we see Nissa. Uh, Nahiri is infected early on, and she actually holds it longer. Supposedly, she holds fights off the infection longer than any other person has due to her age and power. Uh, she actually has the option to be cured at one point in the story, but it would have taken her out of the fight for multiple days, and so she turns it down. Is that from Malira? From Malira. So Malira does have the ability to cure Phyresis. Right, and we see that going all the way back to original Mirrodin, right. Mirrodin Besiege, where she's essentially inoculating the... It wasn't a Gatewatch back then, but that that strike team fighting Phyrexia. So we think, like, Venzer and Koth. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, she's immune... She has healing abilities for both regular damage and Phyresis. The Halo does help slow Phyresis. So Jace is able to make it all the way from the Dross Pits to the Seed Core because of Halo, even though it, it kind of gives away that he's already been infected. There's kind of a big thing about him and Vraska and Vraska infecting him, but you're already, he's already infected. At that point, she just kind of speeds the process up. There's a lot of big planeswalkers that get infected off screen, um, which was kind of 
kind of sucked. There are side stories for it. Luca is not in the main story whatsoever. He also has kind of like the worst completion story ever because it's ev- what everyone expected to happen to Luca happened to Luca. Like writing was on the wall. It was very obvious. Right. Nissa was with Luca and probably just got kind of screwed over because of Luca. Although I don't know. There is a side story about what happened to the two of them. I don't know if there's a side story about Vraska. Vraska was the only one to land alone and she is immediately captured. The Wandering Emperor is there, but something on New Phyrexia is pushing her out, basically, because of her ability. And so she she doesn't actually even make it past the first layer of uh, New Phyrexia. She's in and out, like always? She was in and out, in and out. She got Kaito to the Mirrodins, which was her goal, and then she couldn't hold it anymore and got pushed out. They're not sure where. Kaito is at first concerned that she might have been pushed into the uh, Great Eternities and is stuck in the Great Eternities, but they're not sure. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's basically, that's basically what happened, is basically before the, before the story even started, half the Planeswalkers are out. By the time the story ends, three are left, and they're not big names. Kaido and Tyvar are brand new. Kaya is, has been around for a while, obviously, but she's not, she's not, She's always been kind of secondary. Yeah, she's not a big name. And it's it's interesting to see these three, but they're also in a very precarious situation. They're facing three of the biggest planeswalkers right now, completed or not, as well as the fact that they make a point to mention throughout the story a lot. In fact, it's a little distracting how much they point this out, how powerful Nahiri is. So it's interesting to see. It's interesting to see where this goes. You know who could have saved all this? Hmm. Teo. Give me my shield mage back. Yeah. Yeah, what is going on with Teo? We haven't seen Teo. We've seen a lot of the planeswalkers from War of the Spark. We have not seen Teo. No, and they gave him like his full like origin story, his spark igniting, everything in War of the Spark of the She's like, I like Ravnica. I'm here now. Yeah, I mean that you know, we kind of see it and I, I'm a little disappointed. They do this a lot where they bring a character in as a main part of a story and then don't use them whatsoever or don't give them cards. That's another thing. We're, we're going to talk about the next upcoming set a little bit, and that might be why. It's still strange to me that Elspeth was such a huge part of the story and did not have a card in here. It's also one of the reasons why I want to say I don't think she's actually dead, but they did it to Dak Faden. So... Kyle and I kind of discussed this a little bit. This is a popular theory going on related to Elspeth being dead, not being dead. And that is the set symbol for March of the Machines. And it's a sword and prominent on that sword are two circles. And if you go back and you look at the various weapons Elspeth has wielded across the different planes, like Sun Irrelevant. The various weapons that Elspeth wielded across the plains, they all in common have these two circles near the cross guard or the hilt or somewhere on the blade in the case of the spear, but characteristic of Elspeth. So it's interesting that we see that showing up in a set symbol. It's also got a circle around it, so it kind of looks like the sword sitting like on top of the Phyrexian symbol. Yeah, it's possible. Also could just be a way of them trying to create some negative space or something for the symbol. Who knows? But interesting enough that, you know, it's essentially it looks like Elspeth's sword is right. at least on the set. That kind of leads us into 
our theory section of this episode. I, I think this is going to kind of kind of tie it up. We, I mean, we talked, we talked, I talked a lot <laughs> about the lore of this, but really, I mean, now that we know what's going on, Matt and I are going to talk about some theories of what we think is going to happen. So, do you want to start, Matt? Wizards of the Coast was very clear with a lot of the promotion material going into All Will Be One that. They say, like we started at the beginning of this episode, we do not win. And with the conclusion of the story that Kyle just summarized, where we see Elish Norn and Nyssa and, you know, these completed planeswalkers kind of confronting what remains of the quote-unquote Gatewatch or the new Gatewatch, whatever they're going to call themselves, we definitely get that feeling of a loss. What's going to be interesting is to see what happens. Are we suddenly, you know, we were celebrating like Kato and these other planeswalkers not being completed and kind of the old guard getting the axe. But if they're cornered, what's stopping them from just being completed right along with everybody else? So that's one thing. I think what we're going to see is March of the Machines is going to pick up exactly where we leave off, at least the story for it where their good guys are cornered, Elish Norn, big bads, completed planeswalkers are coming in, and we're going to get somebody out of left field. Ugin is kind of ever-present because he's a spirit dragon. So I don't think we could rule him out completely. I think he does have his handful on the spirit realm with Nicol Bolas, so it's probably not likely to happen. I think what's realistically what we're going to see is one of these completed planeswalkers having a turn of heart or showing their true colors. Like, Oh yeah, I got completed. I, I go Phyrexia. All will be one. This is great. And then when it's actually on the line, be like, fuck you, Elish Norn. Fuck you, Nissa. I'm out. We're getting everybody else out. Or literally they just planes walk away. That's what I was thinking. So they, the only thing that they mentioned that's screwy with planes walking is the wandering emperor. And she's always been weird with right. the Planeswalkers. Because of her ability, she just usually has a much easier time controlling it and keeping herself in one place. And here she can't. Like, she had to use all her willpower just to go, you know, a few football fields, basically. And right. I'm, I'm wondering if, if they're going to be like, oh, that was part of it. They can't Planeswalk. But they, they haven't said anything, you know. They, they really built up the Immortal Sun and... Uh, Ixalan and War of the Spark. So it wouldn't make sense for the Phyrexians. Although, I mean, the Phyrexians are building things from but other planes, but... Immortal Sun was destroyed in War of the Spark. That's why Planeswalkers 1 were able to leave at the very end. Like, I'm thinking, like, Obnixilus was just out. And yeah. Tezzeret eventually just went out. I mean, the Phyrexians just built a whole world tree, so who knows what they're capable of. That's true. And that... I, I kind of just mentioned it, but Tezzeret is another option here, where... Canonically, he's repeatedly, you know, the bad guy at the very worst, like chaotic neutral guy or very best chaotic neutral guy. And he ultimately gets rewarded by Elish Norn for helping them, you know, bring planeswalkers, help them the completion process. Promised a reward. No, he gets the reward. I know for 100%. because He wasn't in the main story. Yeah, so this must be another sub story. But he gets the reward, feels super bad because he realizes what he's doing is a douche move. And then Planes walks out. So we at least know he can get out. At least at that oh, okay. point. And he's alive. And he's alive. And I think that's kind of where it is where 
he got completed, but not fully completed to Ellis Norn's standards. And he knew that was her plan in the end. So he got what he wanted and yeeted out because, you know, he was fucked up with that arm. The planar bridge was all fucked up in him. And they fixed all that essentially. And he just took it and run. With, so, well, with Glimmer Void, right? Because that's what he was promised. Yeah, I'm assuming that's what it is. Because yeah. it, it specifically was that he was not completed. Right. He was just fixed or made better, improved. Right. So he could come back and literally if they can't planeswalk or whatever, and he can, or that he some kind of Phyrexian deal going on something like that. Either way, he has the planar bridge still. He still has that capability. And he was feeling super bad at the end of that short story or whatever. That's why he, you know, he was remorseful, I guess. So he, I think he's a good option for being a hero now. And we do have a few planeswalkers that have been in this story that are not here. We have... Because Koth is one of the ones that's trapped also, right? Cornered? Because if it's not, he's the obvious choice. Leader of the Resistance. Time of, greatest time of need. He's in. But if he's in that corner with them, I... Yeah, I don't... Where think. is Koth? What was Koth doing at the end there? Was Koth with them? I'm trying to remember... Where Koth is just slinging hammers. I can't remember. I don't remember Koth being there with them in the Seed Corps. I could be wrong. It, it, it may have been that he just, after they get to that point, he didn't have that big of a part to play in there. One way or another, I'm talking I'm talking just, just ones that weren't in. the Koth is not completed. So wherever right. he is, Koth could definitely help. But I'm talking ones that didn't have cards and weren't explicitly oh. mentioned here in New Phyrexia. So we have, we have the obvious one, which we'll talk about at the end. But we, we have Vivian Reed who was on New Capenna, who spoke with Elspeth and Urabrask and Tezzeret. Right. We have Chandra. Yeah, where is Chandra? On Dominaria still. Just hanging out? I guess. Morning, I guess. Jaya Morning, dies. Jaya. Maybe waiting for the big one that's the obvious one, which I guess I'll just say, which is Teferi. Yeah, and Teferi, we'll, we'll talk about here in a second, is a whole separate thing, so... Out of what I said, it's likely whatever is going to happen is Teferi-related. I'm trying to think of who else. We're not going to see Angrath. Does it make sense? Oh, no, yeah. Any of the ones that aren't, like like Soren, Angrath, any of the ones that weren't specifically part of this story to begin with. I see Soren swooping in, stabbing Nahiri, and then out. That would be hilarious. He just kills Nahiri and leaves, which is the thing. I mean, that's one thing about them talking about Nahiri being so powerful that impressed me was the fact that Soren really has kept his own against Nahiri every time they fought. Well, he like, was trapped in the wall, but like at War of the Spark, when they're just going at it, like not even caring that Nicol Bolas is there because they are two of the oldest planeswalkers. Say, they're like two of the OGs. Yeah. I mean, aged only by like Ugin and Nicol Bolas himself. And Karn. And Karn probably, yeah. And Koth. I don't know about that. They're the similar age with Koth. So, so you you have to because you have to think of the difference between because Nahiri's older than Koth. They talk about it. In the oh story. yeah, yeah. I guess age wise, yes. But you I, have to think about the difference between lore age versus card age, can, right? Yeah, canonically, yes, Nahiri's older, but like from the realm of planeswalkers, Koth has been around just as long as right, yeah. right. I'm curious who else because we got we have the Wandering Emperor Kaido and Tezzeret. Tamio, which might be on the other side, is kind of a wild card. We have no idea where she is. 
man, everything I read, all the, the flavor text on cards related to Tamia, she's like straight up loving the completion game. So I don't know. Oh, I bet. Ashiok. Ashiok oh, yeah. went and talked directly, showed Elishnor in a nightmare. Yeah, fucked with Elishnor and bad. And then had a conversation with her. As the conversation, it just goes to black, and we don't know what happened. Right. So. Well, we know it freaks the fuck out of Elishnor because she didn't think she was capable of having nightmares. Right. But the way that the talk starts, I don't think Ashiok is completed. I mean, we all know Ashiok and Elspeth are best friends. So, I mean, there is that relationship. And with that, to be honest, I mean, Tybalt came out of left field. I mean, Tybalt was on Kaldheim, yeah. right? So he had the connection to Tyvar, I guess, and the Realm Breaker, but he was still out of left field. I was not expecting well, Tybalt. Yeah, how did he get the Phyrexia? Did he... How did he get completed? Right. All off screen. I guess that's a whole other area of speculation. Yeah. Vorclux didn't take him. Vorclux got his shard of the world tree, whatever it was, the glistening, not the glistening oil, seed. the seed, and yeeted out of there yeah. with the planar bridge. And and when they found out that Valky was Tybalt... Um, they were pissed. They were pissed, but he just plans walks out. Right. Which, you know... Silly Tyvar thinks he's just visiting all these different realms of Kaladheim. Just secret planes walking around anyways. Chase his ass down. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. But, you know, kind of also, like, we all we know Phyrexia has their own version of the World Tree that's allowing them to go to planes. We see at the end of the story where they're sending their Phyrexian strike teams. Yes, and the, the, the Omen Pass are open. They are connected to planes, and they have begun the invasion. Have they said how long they've been open? Like, is it just like we got to the tree and they suddenly opened? Or so have they the, been the, open? The strike teams, from the way it was written, it was written a little weird. But from the sounds of it, the paths were open. So they get there and they say they're too late. They do also, at a later paragraph, say that it has fully opened now. Which so is there weird. might have been like a soft open. So maybe, yeah. Maybe they had connected, but they hadn't fully opened yet. Or maybe because... Kaldheim has the world tree. They have a world tree. It was like easier for that bridge to occur. And that's where they fucking, they snagged. Tybalt. Yeah, maybe. But they do also mention that the strike teams appear to be laying in wait. So it doesn't appear like they had actually moved as of yet. Maybe they're just waiting for someone from those newly connected realms to discover this portal and storm the beachhead. And they're just going to, you know, try to D-Day them. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that kind of leads us to a little bit of what happens next. So I think I think we really have one of two options, right? And, and we'll talk about the first one, which, well, I, so, so they're connected. So if, if by some miracle Elspeth comes back or the raggedy team of what's left over the Gatewatch and maybe some more people show up or something, they do defeat the Phyrexians. The problem is, is, the connections have happened, and I'm guessing the invasion with the next set being called March of the Machines will happen, which means this plague will spread, even if new Phyrexia is destroyed. Right. Glistening oil always wins. They die on a different plane, oil. They win on a different plane, oil. It's, you know, it's U.S.'s wet dream going on right now, but... <laughs> It's definitely going to be interesting to see. I'm going to let Kyle talk about probably the most likely scenario that we're going to see, though. And that's, like we mentioned before, it's a fairy. Right. Well, and I, I wanted to say, too, is is if that is the case, if that is the scenario where they stop Phyrexia, but it's already spread, 
it's likely that all of these return to sets that we're seeing later this year may be returning to planes that don't look as familiar as we thought they were going to so that they can help stop. That's another one. Sahili Ray was working with them as well. Yeah, and she did go back with Teferi to Brothers War. No, I think she made the machine that Teferi used. She's in the Brothers War set. She's in the Brothers War set. Who knows? There's so many freaking Planeswalkers. But I think that there's a good chance that if that happens, that we're going to go back to Eldraine, and we're going to go back to Ixalan, and we're going to be... It's going to be following different Planeswalkers, different good-aligned Planeswalkers, trying to fix this this issue of Phyrexia. Phyrexia cleanup team. And maybe we'll be seeing these completed Planeswalkers as you know, traditional good guys being the bad guys trying to stop them, which would be interesting. And we do have that trend with Wizards of the Coast. Like, we saw the end of War of the Spark where the bad guys fled, the planes walked away, and strike teams, individual planeswalkers went searching for them. It wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility we see pretty much the same thing, but instead of searching planeswalkers, they're searching down the spread of Phyrexia. Right. The other option is... The fact that Teferi is stuck in time. Teferi was not supposed to talk to Urza, was not supposed to interfere at all, did anyways at the end there, and then got stuck for whatever reason. But he's very coincidentally, very, very um, lucky for them, he is not on new Phyrexia. Yeah, coincidentally absent. I could see some timey-wimey stuff happening, Maybe maybe not go back very far, but enough to first, like, let's say, bring Elspeth back alive. Or let's say, let's say it could be even far enough back that they restart the invasion of New Phyrexia. I, I don't know how they would do that in a way. Now, I would say I don't know how they would, they would do that in a way of just having stories about it, right? Because that seems like a pretty big deal and you can't just redo New Phyrexia. Too big of a retcon. But they did do Cons of Tarkir and Dragons of Tarkir already. That has been a thing. So they're not afraid to fully do that. They also have a new product coming out that's like the March of the Machines Aftermath, which has the epilogue sets, which could also be the halfway point between just writing a story and a full set to kind of explain away a bunch of stuff. So we talked about March of the Machines being the good guys win, Phyrexia is in shambles, they're going to clean up all the planes they got to counter theory to that is good guys are in shambles. Phyrexia is fine. Good guys flee to all these various planes that they have experiences with. And we get to see how they're either hunted down or, you know, just encountering Phyrexia on these planes that they thought might be safe for, you know, some period of time. Obviously Phyrexia's plan is to get every plane infected and completed, but that obviously takes time. Like I said, every set moving forward is just called Phyrexia. We see it with Eldrazi to some extent. I think what's really going to happen is we're just going to have to wait and see. You know, I think, I think that we've made a lot of predictions, and I would not be surprised if we just get a, a curveball out of nowhere, and it's just not anything we expected. I do think that this is, this is something that they don't have they don't have an easy answer to, right? It's not like Nicol Bolas. It's not like a single enemy, right? It's not, you know, 
even the Eldrazi Titans, you had a place to put them. Nicol Bolas, you throw them in the spirit realm. Well, that's the thing about Phyrexians. Individually, they're not that scary. We see Vorinclets get fucked up. We see Gingitaxes get fucked up. It's the fact that they have their armies that is what's terrifying. And you Way have more to, than a zombie army. And you have to be scared of even touching them. Right. They sneeze on you, COVID. Right. They scratch you, COVID. They even look at you weird. Believe it or not, COVID. Right. And so I think that we're just, I think we're going to have to wait and see and see how Wizard spins this tale. I have trouble believing that there's not a way out of this. I have trouble believing that this is all we're going to see for the foreseeable future. They're going to find a way to spin themselves out of this. I'm going to be just a little bit disappointed if it's just timey-wimey bullshit, especially if it's a reset timey-wimey bullshit and we get a bunch of Planeswalkers back. Then, you know, we just go back and kill Elish Norn when she's in the crib. Hitler. Punch that baby Phyrexian. Was, was Elish right Norn face. ever a baby? Doesn't matter. Hitler was a baby. She could be a baby. And last time we did an episode like this was for Brothers War, and we ended on something incredibly outlandish, crazy, out of this world, obviously never happened. We have to do it again. So Fairy brings back Urza. Gets chased by Mizra, Misra, and they start fucking on new Phyrexia. And we just get the continuation of the Brothers War. And the Phyrexians have no idea what to do because there's just dragon engines everywhere and they're all killing each other. And Misra is kind of on the Phyrexian team, but he's kind of on his own team. What's going to happen? Teferi brings back the Silex, drops it. They all yeet. Silex blows up. We're all good. Timeline restored. Futuristic Misra is a dead. Phyrexia dead. Fuck the world train, all those other planes. He, he Teferi's a realist, but we're all good. It's the blue planeswalkers not having a soul. Right. That's another thing. Like, Teferi's like, fuck Jace. Like, I might be two colors most of the time, but, you know, we don't really need a monocolored one. I'm all the blue you need, baby. I think traditionally we have, although we did lose Gideon. We did lose... Venzer was Azorius. Venzer was Azorius. We did lose... In a sense, Liliana. She's just so conflicted. She's retired. <laughs> just <laughs> teaching. Um, we It looks like we lost Nyssa. Although Nyssa is the only one that was like the monocolored face of the color that has been two colors. It's true. But who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Maybe uh, I'm going to say Safari actually goes back. He stops the Great Mending. All Planeswalkers are gods and they easily stop the Phyrexians. Nicol Bolas also just still a god. Forgives everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly a good guy. And everyone's still alive. Nobody's I'm, I'm died down. ever. Nice classic comic book reboot. Even crazier building on that. Sarkin loves his dragons. Nicol Bolas is a dragon. And all of a sudden Sarkin is a god. Why can't he control a dragon god? Oh, new theory. Nicol Bolas doesn't have a spark anymore. Sarkin tames Nicol Bolas and rides him into battle. And then secretly Nicol Bolas is Phyrexian and completes him like Luca. Oh. Rip. Oh, Spoiler alert. Completed Nicol Bolas. All right, Perfect. all right. Okay, so tying it up, kind of finishing on a high note here. Make sure you guys check out our Discord. We're getting new members every day. We're talking memes. We're talking spoilers. All the good stuff. Deck reviews. Yeah, throw your theories in our Discord. Throw it on Twitter. Throw it on Facebook. Let us know what you think. We love talking about it. We love getting everyone involved in the discussion. And then... You know, like we said before, we're pretty much everywhere on social media at Casual Tutors, Twitter, Instagram, Discord. 
hit up our YouTubes and our TikToks. We're definitely picking up pace on videos with more coming soon. And we love all the support you guys have been getting. I didn't mention it. Last episode was obviously super special where we had our first ever guest and we appeared on his show the day prior to that. And we got a huge boom. We skyrocketed past our previous record over to over 70 listeners. We blew past over 700 plays total. So we're growing. It's all thanks to you guys. And we're excited to see where our growth goes and bring you all along with us. That said, my name is Matt. And I'm Kyle. And we're the Casual Tutors. Thanks for listening.